going to talk this morning about uh, the heart of the Father. And the gospel is this, that over and over again, Jesus Christ extended dignity and worth to those that the culture had deemed valueless there by the Jewish society. The sick and the diseased, the poor, the foreigner, the enslaved, orphans and widows, unsafe uh, unsafe people, addicts of money or drink. And as I was preparing for our annual uh, vision meeting a couple of weeks ago, I was looking around and saying, God, show, show me a picture of, of what is happening. What does brokenness look like in Lake Norman area, in the greater Charlotte area? And as I looked out, I began to see that there was a common theme. <clears throat> and what I saw was that there was something that was necessary in order for us to do some of the the horrible things that we do to one another. And it required that we dehumanize people and that we devalue the lives of others. And this is where Facebook just plays perfectly into that. You guys know that you can win all sorts of political arguments on, on Facebook if you just use enough caps Or a, a clever meme or something, something's going to shift. But it's easy to, to rant and rave. But the, th- the thing is, it's, it's easy when it's uh, just uh, images and, and text. But it's so much different than when it's flesh and blood right before us. I watched a show last week. <clears throat> and it was on white supremacy. And, and it was on Netflix, a tremendous thing. But whatever it is, this white supremacy, racism, trafficking people, uh, slavery, pornography, domestic uh, abuse, abortion, euthanasia, it exists because one group of people believes that they are intrinsically more valuable or more important than another group of people. We all are the image, made in the image of God, but we have some that believe that for some groups of people that they don't even have a soul. You know, that Jewish people, they believe that women were, were, were to, to be sold as, as it could be like property that they own. That was kind of their value. They stripped them of their humanity, of their humanness, and they kind of shuttled them around, and Jesus railed hard against this type of culture and system that that existed when he walked the earth. One group will decide that another isn't worth very much or doesn't have the same amount of value. And I want to tell you, that's exactly why I am very nice to millennials. Extremely nice. You might think because it's just I'm such a great pastor and and I'm so loving, but the, the bottom line is, is I know that when I'm 80 years old, that the millennials are going to decide what I'm worth. They're going to decide if I get health coverage or not. They're going to decide if I uh, should even, if I'm worth it, if I'm a burden on society, or if I'm a blessing on society, it's going to be the younger generation that's going to decide what I'm worth. You will determine where I live and what kind of care I get because at that point, I won't have 
probably a lot of money. I won't have the, the clout that I need. I won't have a voice, and you'll have to be the voice for my generation. I watched the show on, on Netflix, and I, I encourage everybody to, to do it. It's called The White Right. It's called Meeting the Enemy. And it's on Netflix. Before you go there, it's, it's got a horrible, horrible language uh, all through it. It's an interview with white, the leaders of white supremacist organizations. So even though it has horrible language in it, don't let your kids see it. You watch it first. But it is absolutely worth watching. And, and I felt like I had to watch it just so that I, I could get a feel for what was going on. And Meeting the Enemy, it was a white uh, female Muslim journalist that interviewed several of these white supremacist leaders, and she just listened and, and befriended them, did some interviews, and she even got invited to go to the protests and the march that they were doing, the, the, the neo-Nazis. They even took her up to Charlottesville. There's lots of footage in, in Charlottesville. And as they got to know her a little bit well, as they were sitting face to face and doing all these hours and hours of interviews, at some point she would ask them, okay, now do you believe all the stuff that people wrote about me in blogs, do you believe, that, do you believe personally that I'm just an animal? Do you believe that for me personally I deserve to be wiped off the face of America and, and they, they all, in front of people, they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. When they were in front of her face to face, when it was personal, when there was a human being right there, I want to tell you that they all backed down. They all said, well, no, you're a friend. I, I just can't even, it feels wrong even saying it in front of you. When she would repeat the things that the bloggers had said, all the derog, I won't even like, I can't even mention them here. They would just look away and they were ashamed of some of the things that were coming out of their movement. And one of the leaders even called her about a year, a uh, year and a half, two years later to say that he had stepped down because he no longer, after her, the encounter with her and that experience, he could no longer dehumanize people and he had to, to pull back. Now, he still had some views, but he was not out uh, it, it became entirely different to the point where he couldn't even lead this huge uh, and do all the, the training and the propaganda for this huge um, racist machine that he had led. Now, over the next three weeks, we are going to talk about how and share about what New Song is doing or going to do to let the world know that God is for them. Like you heard me say, I quoted Alex Aslam, the reason the world doesn't know that God is for them is because Christians aren't for the world. And here at New Song, we want the world to know that God is for them. On J July 15th, we'll have Ann Crawford. A lot of you have heard about Caterpillar Ministries, uh, better known as the Trailer Park Ministry. That's where New Song started. So before we think we're all hoity-toity and, and all of that, we started in a living room and in a double wide. We, in the beginning, we at a church service, we would have more prostitutes than we would have soccer moms. That's where we come from, and we've got to still have this great ministry. It's its own 501c3 now, but we're going to have her. It, it serves now 275 at-risk kids, and these are in neighborhoods where the, the dropout rate is about 
the, uh, the substance abuse rate in that trailer park would have to be 8 out of 10 homes, maybe even 9 out of 10 homes. The things, if I told you the stories of child abuse in there, it would physically make you sick. But this is a, a great opportunity for us. It is one of the most integrated communities in all of Lake Norman. It's about 50 the percent Hispanic and Latino. And it, it really kind of opened my eyes to being for the least of the least. And we know that this is, this is God's heart. And this was Jesus' heart. And the reason it was Jesus' heart is because it was God's heart. And the reason it's our heart is because it's Jesus' heart. And we are out here to continue the mission of Jesus. I had a profound experience as a student. Uh, I, I didn't go to university until I was 43. And, and one of my assignments was for one of my ethics classes is we looked at a lot of different things. Uh, uh, genetic uh, engineering, we looked at racism, we looked at different things. But one of the assignments that I had, and I, and I, it, I, I got allowed to do it for five entire weeks. So that's a long time to dig into something. But the assignment that I had was that I had to look up every verse on illegal aliens, foreigners, um, immigrants, all of that. And I had to, to actually make a, a chart and develop some sort of a, a view just based on, on, on Scripture and to take a peek into the Father's heart. And I want to tell you that, that in that experience, I lived in Southern California at the time, and, and I want to tell you that my whole view of the subject w was shifted. And I know it's a complex thing, and so I'm not here to encourage anybody to fall on one side or the other, but it's very timely going, being what's happening right now at the borders in, in our country. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open to Leviticus 19, chapter, uh, let's see, chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. It says, Do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord. Your God. Now we know we have immigration laws, and these these laws are necessary and and good things. We have to have them. We know that God's people are law-abiding citizens. There's no room in the Bible for anarchy for for God's people. We pray for the people in leadership. We trust God with the things that happen. But I want to tell you that we cannot look past. God's heart in, in any matter that we're looking at, if we're trying to make decisions on what side of the, the thing that we'll, we'll land on, we always have to look at God's, God's heart, great heart for the vulnerable, the poor, the sick, the elderly, the orphans, the immigrant. immigrant. And I'll tell you why, because God seeks justice on their behalf. Straight up, you can't turn that part of God off. In fact, God doesn't do justice, God is justice. You can't shut, dial that down in God. That's just who he is. That's his, his character. His love is, is based out of, uh, of these things. In Psalm 10, 17, and 18, it says, Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless, and surely you will hear their cries and comfort them. You will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed, 
so mere people can no longer terrify them. God is seeking justice for the people that we've just talked about. And here's the the awesome part is that he uses you and me to seek that justice for them. One of the primary factors, whenever I have to make a decision, I learn this in this ethics class. Sorry about that. We had to make a lot of decisions based on what we would do. We had to write papers uh, based on, on scripture and, and principles of Christian morality and, and look and see how we would do it. And here's what I learned at the end of it. If you, and if you don't get anything out of a Christian ethics class, and if you have to make a decision that might benefit one group or possibly harm another group, or in some ways, like we always have, these are very, very tough decisions, the decisions that are being made in our, in our country right now. But I've, here's what I learned is that I would always... Ask God to show me who the most innocent and the most vulnerable were in the situation, and then I would always make my choice uh, based with their, uh, with them in mind. So if I was going to be in a, in, in a house, I'm not necessarily, or, or a family that was in conflict, I'm not really uh, trying to go for mom, I'm not really trying to go for dad, I am going for the children. They are the most innocent when there's conflict in a family. Now, in, in supporting the kids, I may support one or the other as it comes out, but my primary objective, and I want to tell you that you will never go, because I, I never wanted to go against God as he is seeking justice for somebody. I don't want to go against that work on the earth. And I want to tell you that there is no group more vulnerable <laughs> with us than the children in the womb, we had uh, Gianna Jessen with us in, in February 2017, 2016. I know some of you uh, weren't there. I want to tell you, it is the most awesome sermon ever, ever preached, uh, I think anywhere, but it, certainly at New Song in this area. You can go on our website and look. It was February 7, 2016. Um, and here she stood, Gianna Jessen. She was the uh, she, she hobbled up. She had to hold on. Her, she had some disfigurement because she actually survived a saline abortion and stood up and asked us the question, hey, you know, everybody wants to, is, is concerned about justice and the rights of others. You know, where were people speaking on my behalf? I didn't have a voice. Where was everybody speaking for me? And she actually survived a saline abortion. In fact, she was born alive. The only reason that she, she's with us today, and she's an amazing person. I, she's, uh, anyway, she testifies in front of Congress. She's just the most beautiful, on fire, passionate, toward, and forgiving towards everybody, person uh, you've ever met. I just forgot my thought. What was I going to say, honey? Gianna, you can watch her February 7th. The only reason she survived an abortion, thank you, is because the doctor had stepped out. And while this baby, aborted baby, is, is kind of like flopping around a little bit, uh, the nurse freaks out and calls 911. Amazing, amazing story how God stepped in. God is always seeking justice for the innocent, for the least of the least. 
Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says this, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. I want to tell you that there's been, a, you know, there was a series of, of court rulings that basically have, have rendered that children at some point in time just became uh, fetal uh, tissue or a fetal mass. Just a, a clump of cells uh, stripped of their humanity, stripped of their humanness, stripped of all of the glory, everything that was glorious about them that God had worked into those lives was taken away from them and they became just a blob or, or a growth. That's why if you go into abortion clinics, they'll never show the mom the, the sonogram because once they look and see the face and the eyes and all of a sudden it's personable, I want to tell you that abortion clinics would have to shut down. They couldn't exist. It wouldn't, it, no mom would go through. Very, very few would ever go through it if they showed the face of the child. The mom would see what God has seen. And I'm, I want to read out of Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, but I'm going to put a little twist on it. This is, if you read it, this is uh, the psalmist is writing about, David is, is writing about how God made him. And I want to I put this in the first person. I want to I do it from the heart of the Father towards us. So if you're comfortable with this, uh, you might think this is a little kooky, but I, I, I would just close your eyes. You know that the Word of God was meant to be heard. <clears throat> so this is God speaking. Now, this is just my a personal first-person paraphrase, so to speak. I made all the delicate inner parts of your body and knit you together in your mother's womb. You're welcome for making you so wonderfully complex. My workmanship is marvelous. How well you know it. I watched you as you were being formed in utter seclusion, as you were wo woven together in the dark of the womb. I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life was recorded in my book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You see, uh, the one who notices what's happening in the womb more than anybody maybe even more than a mom, is God, is the Father. And we have sonograms that we can see faces and we can see hands and we can see toes, but I want to tell you the one thing that, we, that God sees that we don't see is, is purpose. We have to see that purpose by faith. We have to read Scripture and by faith. And this is one of the reasons I want to go through this this morning is I don't want Anybody at New Song going around just saying, well, I'm for this or I'm against that because that's just what good Christians are for or that's what good Christians are against or that's what my pastor said. I want to put the scripture out so that we know why and, and, and it first has to flow out of the heart of the Father. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what does the long ago refer to? At least in the womb, and maybe even 
before the womb. And I want to tell you that if we, God has great purpose for every life that he has created, every, everyone is made in the image of God. And when we tear a life out of the womb, I want to tell you that we are tearing out the very purpose of God from the earth. creates everyone in his image with a purpose and with a plan and and all of us are designed for relationship with him. Since 1973, I want to tell you that there's at least 50 million Americans that aren't here right now. In in Charlotte, we have the largest abortion clinic in the southeast and between 150 and 200 Children are aborted every single week. Every single one of them created in the image of God. And every single one of them put together personally by Yahweh to work his purposes here on the earth. Fear is the work of Satan and abortion is the work of fear. And there's very, very legitimate uh, fears, and that's why we have to be very careful as we, we look at people and their circumstances and why they would even consider uh, abortion. But one thought is, hey, I'll lose my family. If my parents find out where I'm at and what's, what's happened, they will disown me. They might fear losing uh, uh, an emotional support, a boyfriend or a husband. They could fear losing their friends, right? I'll get kicked out of school. Even worse than that, they, they can fear that they will be shunned by their family of faith, that they'll be cut out of God community if they go through with it and have a baby. There can be fear that they don't have what it takes to be the parent of a special needs child. And they can have great fear that the fairy tale of their life will end at age 14 or age 15. Three quarters of abortion happen strictly for financial fears. Fears that I'll lose income. Fear that I won't be able to take care of the kids that I have. Fear that I'll lose a promotion. Fear that I'll, I'll lose my job. These are all legitimate concerns and this is where church we have to to rise up and we have to let the moms and the families know that that we are willing that someone is willing to help we've had it I've been there personally at at the clinic and and told told a mom you know please you don't have to do this we will help you and I can tell you like to my amazement the person said okay Right? They came back and they came out right in the parking lot. They were there for their appointment. So God seeks justice for people through his church. I want to tell you, if you want to battle racism, walk and pray this Saturday. You, see, you will see the most integrated ministry in all of Charlotte happening uh, right on, on Saturday. If you want to battle uh, poverty, donate or become a part of the Life, Love Life Network. And if you want to battle against, uh, battle against violence against women, I encourage you to, to come down. You know that, that the womb is a very, very dangerous uh, place if you're a girl. Do you know that some, that, that some girls are aborted just because they're girls? 
when mom and dad know that it's a girl. You know that up until three years ago in China, they mandated, mandated abortions. Just till three years ago, 2015 is when they rolled that sort of thing back. But anyway, but we're called to support Love Life uh, Charlotte. And the reason we are, a couple reasons. One is because Justin's a part of our church. And, and I want to be sure that you guys know that it, whatever ministry you have that, that, you know, come and tell us about it. We'd love to partner with you. We'd love to encourage you and pray for you and resource you, whatever uh, you need. So that's one of it. Um, but because the other thing is because this ministry, Love Life Charlotte, so reflects the heart of the Father. It's, it's a worship ministry and it's a, and it's a prayer ministry. And, and it's true, like as we just, as we walk and as we pray and as we worship, like there will be some out there. You'll see extremists on every side and that's not what we're about. In fact, there, there's not a single person here that as you go out, will, you're even allowed to interact with anybody out there except for the Heavenly Father, Right? So, it's a type of ministry that requires us to, to live it out, to, that God seeks out justice and he seeks it out through us. Even when we offer somebody a, a car ride or even when we give somebody a car, we give them job training or, or job placement or we throw them uh, a baby shower or to be available if, if somebody needs some, some talk. So, uh, this morning, we have a very special treat for you. We've got, uh, Justin has a couple of friends that he wants to introduce to you, and they've got uh, a story that'll explain, maybe even better, why we, it's our privilege and joy to be involved. Hello. <laughs> Here, Justin, I'll hand this over to you. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. New song. How are we doing this morning? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Uh, yeah, we do have some very special guests here with us. I want to introduce you guys to Robin and Nikki. Um, you're going get, to get to hear from them, but just to set it up, uh, Robin is uh, 19 years old. She has a three-year-old, Aiden, who is dead asleep over there in a stroller. Amazing. I wish my kids slept like that. And uh, she has uh, her second child here in the womb, and she's due here in about seven weeks and uh, you're going to get to hear, again, a part of her story, uh, but this is Nikki. Nikki is her mentor. She comes from one of our partnering churches. Yeah, put your hands together for these two. It's incredible that they get up here. So proud of them to share their story. Um, such courage. I also just want to say Robin is an incredible mom. I've just been hearing some stories from Nikki and how she takes care of um, Aiden. And also Akeem is the little boy that's in the womb. Uh, she's already g given him a name, but... Uh, this, the question I want to ask as you helped us share your story here today is, as you went to Latrobe uh, late last year, um, talk to the people about the importance that the church was there when you showed up. You and I talked earlier in the room that you were looking for an out. You were looking for, an, for a way out. So as the church was there through the, through the sidewalk counseling and through the free ultrasound on the mobile unit in front of the abortion center, talk about how that impacted your life. Well, um, when you pull up, and it's, it's a lot of different people that's out there. You know, they have the megaphones, and it was raining, and she came to me with the umbrella welcoming me there. And I got on the 
the bus and they have you fill out a card and put all your information on there and then you get an ultrasound and you can actually see like your baby in there so it makes it seem more real for you to actually see your kid inside of you that's awesome that's awesome so you, you told me again that you were you were really looking for a way out that morning and uh, because people were there, the sidewalk counselors were there, there's people that were present that helped you make that choice for life. T tell us now how important it is, not only that the church is there that day, but that the church continues to be there, like through your mentor with, with Nikki. With having a mentor, you might not always feel comfortable talking to like a family member or like your parents or something. So having a mentor, you always have someone that's not as close to the situation. And you can always talk to your mentor and your mentor won't, you know, pass judgment on you or anything like that. You can just be open and honest with your mentor. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Nikki, I know that you actually were at the prayer walk that we showed on the video earlier. You were at week 40. That was your first week that you came out to the prayer walk, and, and God pricked your heart uh, to be a mentor for a mom that chose life. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, so I'm from University City Church, and we partner with you guys. And the morning that they actually were supposed to do the walk, I hadn't even signed up to do the walk. Um, and that morning, it was laid on my heart to go ahead and go. So I went, and as we went and we were going through the walk and praying and worshiping to God and just seeing the pictures of how once they do the abortion and what a child looks like in the midst of the abortion, it just begins to penetrate my heart. And as we begin to get back after the walk and to just stand and worship and pray to God, and I saw the mentoring table, I went over and I began to talk to the lady, and that's how I started my journey. And starting my journey, what a mentor has been meaning to me is the fact that to watch Robin as a young child, well, a young lady um, that she is today, to be able to take care of a three-year-old and welcoming another child into the world with the help of the church is beyond wonderful for me because just to watch what God can do to change a person's mind to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to choose life no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the consequences, to go ahead and do it and be the great mom that she has shown herself to be yeah. now. Yeah. Amen. 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 Put your hands together for these two. It's incredible. Thank you, guys. And uh, the due date is 814. 814 is the due date. Going to be welcoming little baby boy Akeem into the world. Come on, put your hands together one more time. Thank you guys for sharing your story. Appreciate you guys for being here. Yeah, and brother, I just want to say, uh, I, I just, I want to take a second to honor our pastors. Uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Julie have been so faithful to stand with us in this journey and the whole New Song family. Uh, you know, it was three years ago, about three years ago when the Lord put this in, in our hearts and uh, came and shared it with Pastor Jeff and invited him down to the abortion center with me. And we just went out there to pray and uh, didn't know exactly, you know, how the Lord was going to do it, but had this crazy dream to unite and mobilize the church in our city to create a culture of love and life that will result to an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. And he said, brother, we're with you. We're all in. They helped launch this thing out of here, out of, out of New Song. And I just want to say thank you guys for taking a strong stand when this was just a dream. When uh, no other churches were with us, put your hands together for the leadership of New Song. Thank you guys for standing with us. We honor you, brother. And uh, 
Also just want to say, not only did they commit to us, you know, with their feet, say, hey, we will walk with you, we will mobilize with you, but also with your finances. And I say thank you, New Song Church, uh, for helping be a catalyst to this in our city. As Pastor Jeff said earlier, I truly believe that this is the darkest place in our city. We're talking about the most vulnerable among us are the children that are in the womb. It is the leading cause of death in this city, church. It's the leading cause of death. More death is happening on Latrobe Drive at the largest abortion center in the southeast than is happening through cancer, heart disease, drug overdose, you name it. It's the leading cause of death. Therefore, I truly believe with all my heart that this is the number one moral issue of our day. The number one moral issue of our day, that one day our kids will ask us the question, just as they did in Nazi Germany, what did you do during that time? I had the opportunity to sit with Miss Eva, World War II death camp survivor here recently, and I got to hear her story. And I said, Miss Eva, tell me what you wish the church would have done for you when you were in that death camp. She said, Justin, I could hear the church bells ringing as I was sitting in the death camp with my family. I saw Christians walking by to their churches with tears in their eyes, but they were afraid to take action. She said, I wish that somebody would have laid in front of the tracks when we were being hauled off in a cattle car on the way to the death camp. But she said, the truth is that only if, if only a handful of people would have laid on those tracks, they would have ran over them. She said, but if thousands had run to the scene, it would have shifted the culture. We're calling for the church to run to the scene, to offer hope, to offer life resources for these families. And let me tell you that the culture is shifting. Things are changing on Latrobe Drive. Latrobe Drive is actually becoming the most famous street in our city because the miracle that God is doing in that place. Come on. Do you believe yeah. that with God all things are possible, New Song? All things. Over 120 churches now have run to the scene. Over 29,000 people now have come out to the prayer walks. Hundreds of mentors have risen up in our city. Hundreds have risen up now to foster and to adopt in our city. The culture is changing. Over 1,000 families have chosen life at Latrobe Drive in the last two and a half yeah. years. That's incredible. Yeah. We're talking about generations upon generations. This is your week to mobilize. I know Pastor Jeff's going to give us the details on this, but love you guys. It's a privilege to be here with you and to be a part of this family.